dry Drink of the water Come with us no more Come all you sinners Come find his mercy Come to the table He will satisfy Taste of his goodness Find what you're looking for For God so loved the world that He gave us His one and only Son to save us Whoever believes in Him will live forever Bring all your failures, bring your addictions Come lay them down at the foot of the cross Jesus is waiting there So good, 
disappointment then the hurt and the pain God is still good God is still good to each one of us all the time yeah all the time God is still good let's sing that again oh God you're still good 
that is due to him from us who did not deserve God all we can do is say that you be magnified in our life nothing of us Lord God as we as we come around this Lord God would, would, at the end of church will we not talk of how great the speaker was or how great the worship was but how great our God was this morning so Lord we pray that you will be glorified and you will be remembered around your table this morning in Jesus name church so it says in Colossians 1 verse 12 to 14 and we're going to look at this as we come to the table today it says giving thanks to the father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of light he's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have the redemption the forgiveness of sins and as we come to the table today it was these two words that were on my mind two words transferred and forgiven you know today if you come to the table and you love and serve god this is the reality from us we've been transferred from darkness into light it's no wonder paul begins this prayer to the church and he says by giving thanks to god he gives thanks to god that god's transferred us you know the talk in my house when i hear the word transfer it's often about football it's often about that deadline day it's often about transferring from different clubs who's signing who but this transfer that we're talking about today is way more important you see paul talks that we've been delivered from darkness into god's kingdom and you know when i looked into this verse the culture of that time it was said that when one empire conquered another empire the custom was to take the entire population of the defeated empire and transfer it to the winning empire. And you know, that's what God has sent to us today. You know, that's what God's done for us today, that everything that was once in darkness, if we love and serve God, has been transferred into the light. The entire population that was in the darkness has been transferred into the light. And that's what God has done for us today. And you know, if that wasn't good enough, the first goes on to say at the end, we have the redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So not only have we been transferred from darkness into light, but we've also been forgiven. 
And you know this word forgiven gets said quite a bit in church. You'll hear, you've heard it a lot. It even gets said a lot in circles that don't talk about faith. Like, oh, I forgive you. Or, oh, I've forgiven what you've done to me. But you know, Paul in this verse means a way stronger word and a way stronger action when he says we have the redemption the forgiveness of sins. It's actually the Greek word for aptheus, which is basically rendered the sending away. And you know, if you look into that, the sending away in God and in Jesus, we have the sending away of our sins. It's not just that we have been forgiven, but actually our sins have been completely sent away. Think about it. They don't stay on us. Once we've accepted Jesus into our lives and repented, they're far removed from our lives. It's not that God hovers them over our heads and brings them to his memory every time he thinks about it, but God actually forgives us and sends our sins away. And I don't know about you, but I want to join in with Paul when he says at the start of that verse, giving thanks to the Father. How could we not give thanks this morning, church? We have been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son and we have been forgiven our sins have been completely sent away because of god's goodness to us and you know it says in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 as we come to the table today for i've received from the lord what i also delivered to you that the lord jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you to do this in remembrance of me. And you know, church, as we come before the table today, only the forgiveness and only the transfer that happened in our life was only possible because of the table today. It was only possible because of the body and the blood that was broken for us. So we have to come and we come and we thank God for that and we come and remember it, that without this, none of that would be possible. Without this, we wouldn't be forgiven. Without this, our lives wouldn't be changed. So I'm just gonna pray. And then if you peel the first layer, um, we'll take of the bread this morning. God, thank you that none of this is possible without the cross. God, thank you that forgiveness, God, and our lives being changed has nothing to do with us trying to fix ourselves, us trying to earn it, or us trying to deserve it, because God actually would never could. So just thank you for that, God. Thank you, God, that our trying to earn it, God, will never, ever make the mark. But thank you, God, that your son came and stepped in, God, and made the distance, God, between us and you, God, that we could come to you today. So God, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to the cross. Thank you, God, for the body that was broke, for the pain that he went through, God, for people like us, people who are so undeserving as we sit on the cycle road today, people who don't deserve anything, God, but yet we stand completely transferred into the kingdom of light, God, and completely forgiven that our sins that once helped us, God, are completely sent away because of what you've done on the cross. So help us to remember that today. And then it goes on to say that in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Father God, thank you for the blood. Thank you God for what you've done in our life. Thank you God that you've completely changed our life. God, thank you 
for your goodness in our life, God, for the victory that we have in the table today, God, and help us to remember that, God, as we go about our weeks, God, that we have been transferred into light. God, we've been transferred from darkness into light, God, and our sins have been completely sent away, God, and in you there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that sin doesn't have to have a hold on us, God, because it's been completely sent away, God, by your forgiveness. So help us to remember that as we go about our weeks.
the week you'll have seen them on the screen beforehand but in case you missed them tonight and um, we have church again at half past six and Glenn McCauley's going to be sharing with us so we're really excited for that so make sure you come along for that tomorrow and um, we'll have the refresh lunch club which is basically for anyone that wants to come get some free lunch you get to have some fellowship with people and um, hear from the word and Jordy Cleaning's actually coming tomorrow so that'll be a great day it's from one to quarter past two and if you need a lift, um, come and let me or Pastor Matt know and we'll be able to sort that out at the end. And then Tuesday night, um, Tuesday night we'll have the Live More Bible Study with Tim Bailey and that's at half past um, seven. So that's Tuesday night at half past seven and we'd we'll love to see you along as well as we come to grow in the Word of God, which is so important whether we've been saved just a week or whether we've been saved for a long time to keep growing in the word of god and then on sunday or saturday sorry we've got something really really exciting coming and it's our first ladies conference and i'm actually going to get athena and she's going to come and quickly share about that thanks athena so we're really excited about our ladies conference i think we're hitting 85 and then plus all the helpers and everything will be over 90 there for our very first conference so we're very excited about that we have, let me just explain the way the day is working. We have Lisa Osborne, who's going to be sharing her story, her story, her cancer story. We've got missing people coming. Um, two people have come. Normally only one comes, so we've got Margaret and Sharon. I've seen this story before. It is incredible of how these, well, one of these ladies lost one of her son, went missing, and not how now she's involved in missing people's so they are coming to share the work that they do with missing people work that they've done on the shankle road with people and families around this area and also beyond that throughout northern ireland uh, i'll be speaking with you on a message of hope i can't wait um, we've got helen couples she is going to be talking to you about a21 that's to do with sex exploitation um, and then through one hour of the day is going to be given for you to pick where you want to go to. So you have choices here, and this is what I want you to do today. Your choices are, you can go to All Coats Creations. Now we need to know numbers because people have to get prepared. So you can go to All Coats Creations for that hour. You can go to Ashley Rosson is doing um, beauty and nails together. She's going to do half an hour on beauty and half an hour on nails. Um, and again, she needs to know numbers as well. 
Rebecca Hughes is doing youth and um, children's ministry. She works right through from zero age, right through with the young people. Um, so she's going to be doing, speaking on that. We've got Rebecca Brown, who's going to be doing um, worship. If you want, she's going to be talking about worship, um, all the things connected with running a team to do with worship, all those kind of things. And we've got our lovely Lindsay Tammon. She is a qualified social worker. And um, she has very, very kindly, um, our Lindsay has very kindly um, vo um, volunteered in that hour to come and speak to you. If you, this maybe you've never thought about so, um, fostering um, or adoption before. Um, she specializes in fostering and she's um, coming to share with you for an hour about the whole area of how you go about fostering. Maybe you're not, you've never, you've never thought about it before. This could be your chance to find out about, about it from Lindsay. So put your name down for um, the breakout room that you would like to go to. Um, and get your tickets today. Last day for getting your tickets. So we're very excited. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Yeah, um, we're really excited for that. You can pray for that during the week because I'm sure there'll be women coming that don't know God and the ones that do know God as well, we need to be encouraged and we need to be refreshed as well. So I'm going to hand over to Pastor Matt and he's going to come and bring us the word. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. It's so exciting to see all the different things that are happening in church. Uh, at the moment. Uh, on, on Saturday at the Maids of Honour Conference, uh, the men were doing the food for the ladies, uh, so quite a few people gave me their name uh, to volunteer, and because I didn't write it down, I've forgotten everybody who gave me their name. <laughs> so on the way out today, if you just remind me, you give me your name, or just turn up on Saturday, and, and so we did two shifts, half eight till half ten uh, for the breakfast, and then uh, 11.30 to 1.30 for the lunch. Uh, but you can turn up any time and stuff. And, and I know some of the fellas have asked about going to the, the beauty workshop. Uh, so you'll just have to wait and see. Is that okay? Just I'll name no names. But uh, let, let's just come and pray as we come around the word this morning. Father, we thank you. We gathered in your house with your people. Father, this is the time of the week, Lord, where we're drawn uh, to come to worship, uh, to come to remember what you have done for us, but to also hear from your word. Uh, and Father, it's so important for us, Father, to just to, to be here. We're under no obligation to be here, Lord. We want to be here with your people. We want to worship you. We want to hear what you have to say to us today. Father, we thank you for this church, for all the different things that are going on. Thank you for the amazing volunteers, their servant heart, uh, Father, to reach people, uh, to share your message with the world. And Father, as we come today and we look at that, this, this, this command of going for you and what that means, pray, Father God, that you would just bless our word now as we gather together in Jesus' name. Amen. We're back at the start of September, we presented the vision to you, we called it the invitation because we said that there were four invitations uh, that Matthew presents as Jesus giving uh, in his gospel 
and uh, we looked at the, the, the invitation to come to him, those who are weary and burdened, and we looked at the invitation last Sunday night to care for him, how we, uh, how we help people, how we make a difference that way. Uh, Stevie Fancy on uh, October the 23rd is going to look at the third one, the invitation to come and follow. Uh, then today we're looking at the invitation uh, to go, uh, which forms part of really of the statement that, that makes it easy to remember to come to him and go for him. And the Christianity at its heart, what we believe uh, is a sending religion, whether we like to call it a religion or not, it is a sending religion. There is something about what we believe that, that commands us, that encourages us to go and share that with other people. And, and so it's ascending religion. We have a responsibility to go. And the invitation to go is presented at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, which we're spending some time in over this next wee while. And in the final verses that we're going to come before you, we're going to read in a second, it seems as though they are the end of something. At the end of his 28 chapters that he writes about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and stuff, it seems as though it, it has drawing it to a close is this command, this invitation to go. But in fact, it's the beginning of something. It's the beginning of something new that Jesus brings all his disciples together before he ascends to heaven. And he presents them with this command. He presents them, we, we're calling it an invitation, but it, it's a command as well to come, which is what his mission is and the mission that he is presenting to the church. And, and we are the church. We are an extension of what Jesus spoke, of the people that Jesus spoke to at the end of Matthew 28, that we are here and we're here this morning. And we have this uh, invitation, this command that Jesus presents. And what do we take from this? And we see the verses, just four verses, the end of Matthew 28, he says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Three quotes to start with, as you know I like to quote. So the first one is this, the Great Commission. And Jesus doesn't actually use those words, but it sums up what he's giving to uh, the disciples and what he's actually giving to us as well, which is the commission to go. He says it's not an option to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. A lot of times, myself included, in my experience of life, I will use the excuse that, oh Lord, I'm just praying about something, when it's clearly a command and obligation for uh, everybody to, to go. And this is what this is here. Jesus is not giving us something to pray about, to say, is this me? Is this the calling I have? Actually, all of us are called to do this because it's not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed, that when he says it to them, it, we're an extension of that is saying it to us as well he's not just saying it to the 11 disciples there and that was the end of it he's saying to all of us that are gathered here today the second quote is this 
The mark of a great church is not in its seating capacity, it is in its sending capacity. Oh dear, says we're pastors and all pastors love to count the number of people that sit in seats on a Sunday. And then if you ever get together with other pastors, it doesn't matter what else is going on. When they ask you a question, they say to you, how's it going? And then you name how many people with your church on Sunday and usually associate that with how well things are going in your life. And actually the challenge here is, this is the mark of a great church is not how many people we get into church on a Sunday, but how many people actually go out and take up the command, the commission that Jesus gives. It's its sending capacity, sending you into the parts of your world where you can be a witness uh, for Jesus Christ. And so that's a challenging one. And the third one is this, and, uh, and this is, I, I, I've heard this a few years ago because at times you can feel it's about survival. The work of the church is not survival she exists to fulfill the great commission that it's why we are not just here praying that we can open the doors on a sunday and people will come we're glad that people come but we're not survival we're not about survival that oh it's good that people come and it's one more sunday that we're here it says actually it's more than that we're here to fulfill the great commission particularly in the mission field, the community that we are in. This is the privilege, the responsibility uh, that God has given, not just us as the leadership of the church, but, but all of us gathered here. So whatever we are involved in, whether it's the kids or the young people or the elderly or, or those that are addicted or those with other issues or those who are it doesn't matter who it is. He says that that's our job to fulfill the Great Commission towards them. You see, it's important to understand that Matthew, the writer, from the beginning of the gospel does this to lay the foundation of this. The Gospel of Matthew leads us to the evangelization of the whole world uh, because the Gospel primarily, as we've said in previous weeks, is written to Jewish readers. Uh, from the beginning, the seeds of Jesus being the Messiah for everybody has been planted by him because the Jewish people just thought the Messiah was just for them. They were the chosen people, they were the select few. But, but God had a plan. Uh, the plan was to reach the whole world. It's still the plan of God to reach the whole world. There, there are estimated to be at least 16,000 people groups. What I mean by that is nations or people, tribes or uh, those collection of people together that are still unreached with the gospel. That there's 16,000 in the whole world. And you look, if you go on to websites like Open Doors, that will, they will tell you the countries which is hardest to evangelize in and where the gospel is open to and where the gospel is closed to. And so the journey of that began here in the gospel of Matthew as he shares this. And just by way that the, the Gentile, and if you hear that in gospel or preaching, most people will know this, it simply means not Jewish. Uh, the Jews believed that Messiah was coming for them and in only them. And right from the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, uh, in the genealogy, and we're going to look at this next Sunday, it says, and it's a list of names of who Jesus came from. 
because often at times, and I've shared this before, it's always about where you come from. Uh, you know, when you ask people where you're from, well, you know, if you say well, I'm from Birmingham or you're from a different place or, you know, it's, you know, where I grew up, there was a very posh place called Four Oaks. Very posh, Four Oaks. Even saying it sounds posh, you know, Four Oaks. And if you lived in Four Oaks, you were like, mm, you know, the sort of people, I mean, do you know what I mean? I suppose you would associate somebody from the Malone Road. If there's anybody from the Malone Road, then I apologise. But somewhere that is, so people would associate where you're from. But in the Jewish religion, it was who you were from that was most important. It was your generation of people, who your father was, who your grandfather was, who your great-grandfather was, who you descended from. And in the genealogy, it's important to understand that there were three Gentile women, non-Jewish women included in the descendants of Jesus. You see, Matthew wanted to prove that Jesus was a, a true Jew because he was descended from Abraham, but also royalty because he was descended from David. But he includes these three Gentile women because they want them to understand that actually if they're part of the Messiah's lineage and descendants, they can be part of his offspring as well. The seeds are planted there to open up that door. In the Christmas story, it says the religious teachers and the Pharisees couldn't be bothered to travel the five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Yet the wise men who were Gentiles, the Magi, the kings, whatever you want to call them, they had come to worship the king of the Jews. John the Baptist warns the Jews in Matthew 3 verse 9 when he says, And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Being Jewish could not save them, and that's what they believed. Only Jesus could save them. There is no other way. And in Matthew 4, Jesus begins to preach. But it tells us where, in verse, verse 15, it says, Land of Zebulun and land of Nephalti, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. You can see the place that begins there. Time does not permit all the references Matthew uses, but it is clear that after his death and resurrection, Jesus gathers the disciples together and he gives them their mission. What is we call the Great Commission. And simply what has happened is these seeds planted in the beginning are now beginning to spread out, to grow, for he has convinced the readers all the way through this, this Jesus is not just for a select few, this Jesus is for everybody, it's for the world. Uh, and so he comes with this commission. Now commission in the dictionary has two definitions, both important for us to understand what we are called to do. The first one is this, it's an instruction, a command, or role given to a person or a group. And the second one is this, the authority to perform a task or certain duties. And we'll see what Jesus says about his authority in sec. But there is only actually one command in the Great Commission. There's just simply one command, and the command is to go and make disciples. Now we're guilty in churches, and we're guilty as preachers because we look for converts we look for converts we don't look to make disciples 
Uh, and yet it's clear from the command here in the Great Commission that the responsibility of us is not just to make converts, which is people who make a decision and their lives don't change at all, but make disciples where the power of the Holy Spirit works in a person's life and they're changed by the Word of God and, and they become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because disciple means learner. You see, the danger is sometimes is we think that disciples are, are spontaneously created at conversion, but they're not. They're, they're product of a process. You know, we get saved and God begins to work in our life and it begins to change us. This idea that we get zapped by something spiritual at, at our conversion and suddenly our life just falls into place in every area. It says we are made disciples. The responsibility of making disciples is those who are a little bit more experienced, a bit further on the road, come on, to come alongside those who have started out in their journey, to encourage them, to help them, to show them. That's what Jesus was doing here with the disciples. He was sending them out. It would have been easy for him to say, go and make converts. Go and get people to make decisions by putting their hands in the air. Jesus doesn't do that. He makes it hard for them. He says, go and make disciples. But he gives them the tools to do it. He gives them everything that they need to do it. Because they're to fill that great commission. You see, disciples do this. Disciples delight in studying God's word, praying God's truth, and being with God's people. There are three things that help you. We talked about survival, but there are three things that will help you as you thrive and grow as a believer. The study of God's word, the prayers to God, and gathering with God's people. Nothing has changed there. It says when people say to me, is there, is there, is there principles we can follow? Is there keys to living that can help? It's simply just the three. There's study the word, pray. And come to church, get that fellowship and that encouragement with people. That's how we make disciples. That's why we encourage you to come to the prayer meetings. That's why we encourage you to come to the Bible studies. It's why we encourage you to gather together with God's people. Because that's part of the discipleship process that all of us are part of. Me included, everybody included. We never get to the point where we make it. There'll never be a point I can stand up here and say, I've learned enough. There is nothing else I can be taught. There is nothing else that God can show me. If I stand up here and say that, my advice is, is find another pastor. That would be my advice. Because you've always got to be teachable. You've always got to be learning something. Every day has to be a learning experience because that's the process that is used in making disciples. There are three things that have to happen uh, to make disciples. The first one is this, the separate. And you see, when, they're send, when Jesus is sending out the disciples into the world, he's encouraging them to do this. People have got to separate from the world. See, often when people make a decision, they're just like, it's an add-on. You know, Jesus is an add-on in my life. He's not changing anything. I don't really want him to change anything. Listen, the command is clear to separate. We have to separate and move aside from the life that we're living. So that's the first thing that has to happen. The second thing, and Jesus says this in his passage, he says we observe. What do we observe? Well, we observe the commandments of Christ. How do we live? We live by what the Bible teaches us. 
It says that Jesus says, obey my teachings. Where do we find the teachings of Christ? We find it in scripture. And then the third thing to make disciples is to follow. How do they follow with their lives? Every decision that has to be made. Uh, every example in their life. That people would know that they follow Christ. You see, the disciples themselves had been on this journey. They'd been on this journey of invitation and discipleship with Jesus. Because we see the four things that they did. The first thing that Jesus did with them, he said, he invited them to come and see. Come and see who I am. Just to watch Jesus, observe him and watch him. So at the beginning of their journey, they were going and they were watching Jesus. And he was healing people and teaching people. Uh, and they were just observing that. They were just watching what Jesus did. But then Jesus moves them on a bit when he says, well, come and follow he says, actually, this meant that there had to be some commitment and some association to him. So when Jesus presents the invitation to Matthew in chapter 9, and he's a tax collector sitting at the table, you know, he's sitting there, Jesus goes to him and says, come and follow me. He says, he got up straight away. And he says, just left behind uh, the money, the taxes that he was supposed to be collecting. Because he had seen what Jesus had done and he'd heard about what Jesus had done and decided this invitation was too good to turn down. Uh, and then the third thing that Jesus did in, in this discipleship process is come and be. And simply come and be with me. It was companionship for three years. They, they, you know, they, they travelled around together. They, they, they sat around the campfire at night together. They, they ate together. They shared together. They, they prayed together. Jesus was there putting all this discipleship stuff into his disciples because he knew that's what they would need after he wasn't here on earth anymore. And then finally we see the fourth one here when he says, come and go. And in that moment he gives them the mission of their life. He says, this is your mission. Go into the world. Go into all the world. And, and tell people about me. Teach people about me. Show people who I am. And he gives them that mission in their life there. You see, if there was a key word in the Great Commission, it is simply the word all. Because we see it in, in three, 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 three places. We see, firstly, all authority Jesus is given. The Great Commission is given in the light and authority of Jesus. He has all the authority because he's equal with the Father. You know, when God calls you to do something, he gives you everything you need. He, he equips you. He, he provides for you. He doesn't send you out alone. I mean, the disciples are told uh, further on, wait in Jerusalem for, for him that is coming, uh, the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he gives them the responsibility, but then he gives them the power and the authority to do it as well. He doesn't send us out and we're scratching about thinking, oh, I'm not quite sure I, I can do this. My, it's not my level of expertise or gifting. He gives us everything we need to do everything that he has called us to do. And it begins with his authority. It begins with the authority that he has. This is an authoritative command here. Not a suggestion. Not maybe if I feel I could squeeze it in. Maybe if I could go and do it because I'm quite a shy person or I lack confidence or it's not really me to tell people about my faith. Actually, none of that makes any difference. 
This is an authoritative command best described when a general says to a private, go and do this, and the response is, yes, sir. That's the response. We don't like that in this day and age because the word authority sometimes just sort of thinks, oh, I'm not sure I want to do that. I feel, you know, it breaches my human rights. It breaches the rights that I have, Christian rights or whatever rights. It's not really my calling. Jesus says, go, we're the privates in the army that go, yes, sir, we're away. Because that's a responsibility that we have. That's the challenge of the word here because it's his authority that's equal with the Father. You see, he not only has the authority to do this, he has the authority to send people, to guide people, and to empower people. It's like being given a job to do, and every tool and provision that you need is already there, but you've just got to pick it up and use it. The second thing he gives is all nations. You see, God's relationship with humanity has moved beyond Israel suddenly to include all people from all backgrounds. I mean, it would be awful to be part of a religion or something that we believe about God where we turned around and said, listen, some of you have got to leave. Some of you do not fit in. There is not a place for you with what we believe because of the things that you've done or because of the family that you belong to or because for whatever reason. But listen, that's the way that it was. Thank goodness it's not like that now. Shouldn't be like that now, but it's not like that now. Because the invitation here is for all nations to ground reach all people. So there isn't any sense of where they're, we're not reaching them because they don't really fit in with, with what we believe. Or that people group theirs doesn't really fit. Listen, we're to reach all people. And it's all people with the message of Jesus Christ. That's the Great Commission. We're not just to go, but we're to go with the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the challenge that we have. Now, all people groups, now this, and this is the difficulty that people have sometimes because we talk about all nations. I'm not suggesting for a second you go home and pray about it this afternoon and find out if God is sending you to another country. He says, because as I come on to finish this later, I'll show you that actually, all means are we neighborhoods, our schools, our universities, our workplaces. Those are the places that God is sending us to. He says, no point looking at it and saying, you know what, I'm not really sent to go to this country, so I'm just not bothered doing anything. Actually, your mission field could be the, is the world that you live in at the moment. Those people that you come into contact with every day, through the school, through the university, through your workplaces, and how you make a difference there. He says, the world has become so small, hasn't it? I mean, we have mobile phones. Our mobile phones connect us to the whole world, don't they? You know, I mean, if you don't like listening to me this morning and thought, that's rubbish, you can go home after church and you can go and listen to a sermon on your phone from Australia. I mean, you can. not suggesting you do that, but you can go and do that. It says uh, the world is at our fingertips. The whole area of social media is almost like an all-nation thing, isn't it? It says an online community, people who are there reaching them with the gospel. You know, often at times I say to people, it's lovely, and I do this, it's lovely to share my favourite coffee and the latest Lego model I've built. 
But actually, what's more important is to share what I believe online because you don't know the, how far that is going. You don't know the seeds that you're planting and how that is having an effect on people's lives. You don't know when you go into your workplace tomorrow and you suddenly decide, you know what, I want to make a difference in my workplace. Should that be praying for it every day that God would give me an opportunity to share what I believe? Should that be an opportunity to invite somebody to come along to church? Most of the time we don't do it because we don't want to do it. It's got nothing to do with us simply saying, well, I don't believe. I think God will do amazing miracles in our lives, in the places where we live and work, where we simply say to them, we're available to fulfill the Great Commission. We're available, Lord. You want to send me, send me into my workplace. Send me into the place that I'm already part of. Send me into your families. We've all got unsaved families. It's amazing, challenging. We look at all nations and think, it's too big. Actually, it's broken down in this day and age. It's being so small that we can make a difference in the five or six people we're surrounded with all week. It says, whatever we're doing, God, give me an opportunity. God, show me an open door with the people that are around. You see, his relationship has suddenly opened up to the whole of humanity. And, you know, the reality is this. It says, I remember seeing this and having a profound effect on me. Uh, there was a video of somebody who had gone to heaven. So somebody who had passed away. Uh, and, and when they get to, to heaven and, and God says, well, you, you never made a decision for me. And at that same time, somebody who was a believer went past them and said, oh, how you do, how you've ended up here and stuff like that. And, and the conversation entails. And, and the Christian got into heaven, but the non-Christian who didn't know anything about what happened, you just hear him say, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, why didn't you tell me? Was it embarrassment? Was it fear? I mean, compared to where people spend eternity, does that matter? And the question that finished the video was just that haunting voice of somebody saying, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, wow. He says, would you want to get to that point at the end of your life that somebody would come past and you'd worked with them? Or, 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 or you sat beside them in school? Or, or, or there was something that, that you had done with them and they didn't know that you were saved. You thought to yourself, well, it's a, it's a private, much private religion, private decision. No, it's not. He says, actually, with a responsibility and a command to tell people. This is a tough one this morning, but there's no other easier way to do it. No other easier way than for us to say, listen, it's time for us to go as a church. But, but when we do that, after being given all authority to all nations, we see the third one is this, all times. You know, the key to whatever we're sent to do is the words that Jesus says at the end when he says, I am with you always. I am with you always. The promise in his presence and authority would be with all believers who go forth and make disciples of all nations. He says, always. I am with you always. John 14, just to jump out of Matthew, Jesus explains to his disciples because there's three verses close together. He says, what will happen? He had been their teacher. Now it was going to be the Holy Spirit. And he says three things 
just in, in, in 10 verses, which I'm just going to share just briefly. John 14, verse 16, it says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is given to help us, to be with us forever, to do what we're called to do. John 14, verse 23, Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So again, there's the promise, the Holy Spirit to help, to be with us forever, and then come to us and make our home with us. The promises are just flying out here when we look at what we're called to do. And finally, in John 14, verse 26, it says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. I love that verse because it sums up the person of the Holy Spirit who simply comes and reminds us of what Jesus has already said to us. He confirms the promise of Christ in our lives. And you see the promises that reign through here. Uh, because the, the world always is interesting here because it's only found here in the, the New Testament. So when Jesus says, I am with you always, it actually means this. It's the whole of every day. Uh, from the rising of the sun to, to it going down again. I'm sure there was an old song called, I'm not going to sing it, but from the rising of the sun to God. And he uses that one word just here. For Jesus says, from the beginning to the end, always. When he sat, always, all times, all situations, all circumstances, I am with you. You see, there is a great sense of privilege as well that we have in, in fulfilling what God has called us to do. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. He says, for we are co-workers in God's service. We are partners in God's service. What he calls us to do, he not only gives us the provision and everything we need to do it, he says we're partners, we're co-workers to reach the world for him. He gives us the power and the provision, his presence to go and do. But it's a privilege of all the things we could do with our lives. The God, the creator of the universe who gave his son, Jesus Christ for all the whole world suddenly pinpoints us and says I have a job for you to do I have an assignment for you to do I have a mission for you to do I have a commission for you to take up and when we do that we suddenly there can only be a sense of privilege with that there can only be a sense that God would call me me he says honestly it's just enough to be saved it's just enough to know that God loves me that, that, that he sent his son for me but, but actually, looking at it and said, here's a privilege that he sent me to do this. And so why do we find it so hard then, so challenging to take up this commission? Because that's the truth of it. Because there'll be lots of us sitting there saying, I, I don't really know how to do this. How, how do I approach somebody that I work with? To somebody, somebody I sit by, how do I approach this in sharing my faith with them? Because let's be honest, we're put off sometimes by some of the weird stuff that happens. We're put off by some of the stuff that people say, and I don't want to look like that. But actually, there is a challenge for us to say, well, how do we do this? I think there's a key here. Because the word go could also be translated as, as you are going. As you are going. No, not just go, but as you are going. 
And I think it means this, that into your everyday life, your schools, your jobs, your workplaces, as the opportunity arises, tell people about Jesus. Here is a challenge for everybody. You take it up if you want to take it up. There's seven days to church next Sunday. Who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? <sighs> What's a big challenge? Oh, who am I going to tell about Jesus? Now, you know, I'm not saying the person sitting next to you this morning, that doesn't count. Who am I telling about Jesus this week? Who comes across my life this week that I could actually tell them about Jesus? That, that just share with them something that has done. I mean, we have sung this morning at the top of our voices, God, you're so good. Oh my, as we share that, as we sing that, there's a challenge for us with the Great Commission. Who are we telling? Because here it says, as you are going, as you are living your life, and you see, we've turned the challenge of going into the world to simply the challenge of coming to church. I'm actually not sure that evangelism was to be the work of the church. I know that sounds a bit strange. I think the church was what you become part of after the evangelism had been done. But I think people were out in their everyday lives, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, in the marketplaces, in the other places, doing all of that. And I think as they were going, they were sharing their faith, they were telling people about Jesus. And when they got saved, when they gave their lives to Christ, they were suddenly coming together in this body called the church. He says, if you read Acts chapter 2, 42, 47, and I finish with these words, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think that in those five verses is a perfect picture of the first disciples who simply did an as you are going as you are living your life, as you are going around the marketplace telling people this is what's going to happen. They were sharing their faith and making disciples by living their lives for God. What a challenge it is for us as a church. But I wonder if we've made it hard on ourselves for we see that go rather than as you are going, as you are going, as you are living, as you are going to do what you do in your families and in your schools and in other places, as you are going, you're sharing Jesus with people. You are simply saying, this is who Jesus is. This is a difference that Jesus has made in my life. And I think when we do that, we'll begin to see the process of making disciples happen after people decide, hey, I like what they have. There is something about this Jesus that has changed their life. I wonder if it could change my life. And as you are going, as you are living, as you are doing your stuff this week, let's tell people about Jesus. Let's stand to our feet in a second because this is a challenging message. This is a commission that we're given. So Father, we come before you today. Father, this is not a suggestion that you give us, it's a command. 
And Father God, we, it is no point in us talking about a world that needs your son Jesus if we don't go out into the world and tell them about Jesus. And so Father, though we have presented a challenging message this morning, the encouragement is that, that Father, we see that you provide your presence and your provision and your guidance and everything that we need to fulfill what you have called us to do. Father, help us to take up that commission. Help us, Father God, to take the responsibility of reaching the world for your son, Jesus Christ, seriously. The Father in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, in all the places that we are in, Father. That, Father, we will be a witness for you. That, Father, we will go and make disciples whether they be young or old, we will make disciples because you have given us everything we need to do that. Father, we thank you for that invitation. Help us, Father God. Even as we come back next week, maybe a testimony of somebody says, I told somebody about Jesus. And this was the difference that it made. For we still believe in the power of the gospel. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. As I rise, strength of God, go before, lift me up. And as I wake, wise of God, look upon, be my son. As I wait, heart of God, satisfy, answer sin. As I hear the voice of God, lead me on, be my guide, be my guide. Breath of God. 
for your kingdom, for your glory, in Jesus' name. 